Meanwhile, recorded live in the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to some serious revelations. It's issue 31. I'm not the same person I once was. It was a little over a year ago that I made my last journey to Portland for just hanging out for fun with friends, you know. And I should have known better then, even. Already, COVID-19 was a pretty huge topic of conversation among everyone I knew. And yet, it seemed fine to just go to the nearest big city that I could get to within an hour and go to a bar with a bunch of friends and hang out all night long. And, oh, hey, I'll play a show, too, and there'll be a crowd of people drinking and laughing and talking loudly and not even realizing I wouldn't be doing that again for a long, long time. Two weeks later, I did go out for one last journey into the world that was social, and even that night was not very much fun. And the thing that struck me was the number of hand sanitizer stations at just a bar where bands kind of play in the corner for their friends. And certainly that was the beginning of my hands feeling as if absolute havoc had been wrecked upon them. Those last two shows were illuminating for a number of reasons, but the thing that stands out now with almost a year to reflect on them was how quickly everyone seemed to think, yeah, let's just start doing this instead The bar was washing microphones. People were washing their hands constantly. This new joke of social distance, and then you'd take a couple steps back away from your friends, had been really the rage at those two events, and uh, don't seem at all funny in the here and now. The long-term and lasting effect that this certainly has had on all of us is a new evaluation of our hand-washing routines, which for some, wasn't exactly that difficult. Certainly, I was already an inveterate hand washer before all of this, and uh, something about the way that I approached the world deeply ingrained within me this idea that I should probably wash my hands before I do that. Mostly because I just know that I engage in enough activities that probably cause me to forget on a regular basis that chances are I might have forgotten to wash my hands. It's better to just do it anyways, just in case. And this, you know, habit of washing my hands probably a little more often than everyone else increased tremendously once COVID was a reality. Every day, winding down at the end of a long day of worrying about a virus and a president and all sorts of problems that plagued us last year, I would look at my hands 
and I would see an older person's hands, the kind of hands that I saw on my grandfather and my grandmother. As the world moved around them, it was almost as if it shaped their hands in some way, creating gigantic canyons and valleys of skin crevices, dried and cracked regions, deserts and oases. It was something to really consider. I'm not that old, am I? Hands shouldn't look this old, should they? The solution, of course, was far too simple for me to ever consider. And, of course, something that was difficult to overcome for ridiculous and pointless reasons. Because in this new reality, I have to now admit that I am the kind of person that uses hand lotion. Whereas before, I don't even know what life was like before. It is interesting to reflect on all of the different ways that we become people that we didn't used to be. And it isn't always the pandemic that causes this to happen. Sometimes we have to change our behavior just because we realize we need that change, that it helps motivate us to implement this new kind of behavior in a way that is not only helpful, but feels right. It shouldn't be that surprising to anyone that not only am I a Taurus, but an incredibly stubborn one. So new habits are very difficult for me to adopt. And, of course, old habits are difficult to break. My stubbornness about having never used hand lotion started to take on some of the ridiculous arguments I used to make against using lip balm. You know, the more you use that stuff, the more you need that stuff. Just learn to live without. And yet, here I am, someone staring at these cracked and dried old person hands that seems so completely damaged beyond belief. And there's this simple solution that could actually make my hands feel better even. It's not like that weird split ridge on my knuckle is actually enjoyable in any way. So struggling the entire time, hating every moment of it, asking my wife to apply it to my hands because I had no idea how I could do that without grossing myself out because of this weird slop that's all over them. I finally, slowly, got into the habit and then the routine of taking care of my hands? What kind of monster am I? Or maybe more pointedly, what kind of monster was I before? I feel like so much of my life is littered with these examples of situations where I was refusing to do something for many, many years that was so simple and improved the quality of my life in fairly dramatic ways. And yet, I was convinced it was not for me. There was something about it that was just absolutely worth resisting with everything in my being. Stubborn doesn't quite cover 
the full extent to how hard I would resist cultural trends or helpful advice. Simple tools that might actually make my life a little easier. I recall washing my clothes in the bathtub for months and months and months when there was a washer and dryer available just behind the apartment that I was in. These little memories keep punctuating this recurring theme that seems to pop up every once in a while, where I must maintain the kind of person I am at all costs and resist change, because to change means I'm no longer the person that I am. But that kind of thinking is certainly limiting in so many ways. And as my Hal Jordan temples only get grayer and grayer, it occurs to me that all of these things that I resisted are just ridiculous cultural mores old-fashioned ones at that, that reach into me and possess me with these notions of what I should and shouldn't be doing. Not only are they difficult to wrestle with, but they need to be wrestled with. They need to be undone. They need to be reversed. They need to be torn out and tossed away in favor of something that's not only more productive, but much more helpful. I think about all the times that kicking and screaming, my wife put hand lotion on my hands, only to find that minutes later, they felt so much better. And I think of what a jerk I must have been, how awful I must have sounded, how childish it must have seemed for me to say, oh, no, I don't want to use that stuff. There's so many different kinds of hand lotion that we need to apply in this world today culturally speaking, politically speaking, in so many ways. And I think more and more about the kind of person that resists that hand lotion. And if I want to even be associated with that kind of person.
maintaining my sacred oath that I will be the last person to see all of the new cultural television moments that everyone is talking about. I finally sunk my teeth into The Mandalorian Season 2, which was not only an excellent and uh, well-needed antidote to not having anything to watch and being bored by everything on television, but followed up Season 1 magnificently. I don't really want to get into spoilers or maybe even the plot, because if you aren't already on board with Mandalorian, I'm not sure you need much convincing. You either are going to love this, or you'll be pretty puzzled by it and it's not going to reach you in exactly the same way that, well, a lot of other people seem to have been reached. <laughs> But that's not to necessarily add insult to injury or anything like that. That is more to say that there's a lot of excellent stuff in The Mandalorian that you can dig into. And I think if you have a little bit of heart and a little bit of faith, this show will certainly speak to you in a way that will be entertaining and very fun. What I want to talk about when it comes to The Mandalorian is one of the efforts that this show seems to be making in terms of addressing something that is kind of difficult to address in media. Fatherhood. How do we approach fatherhood? What do we do about it? What role models are there to look towards? And when something isn't there, how do we fill that void? One of the recurring themes of the Star Wars films is certainly that of fatherhood, the specific relationship between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, and what happens when you don't agree, when you didn't know each other growing up, and when you're now suddenly in each other's lives again and have to make sense of that. Those stories certainly are about fathers being absent, fathers not being there, Fathers not necessarily filling the roles that they would under normal circumstances. And about the children wrestling with those problems and with that difficulty. With The Mandalorian, that's not exactly any different than what we've seen before. One of the central notions of the series is that our main character, The Mandalorian is, well, fatherless. He has been dubbed a foundling and brought into the Mandalorian society, this incredibly devout sect of Mandalorians who seem to be entirely basing their particular inner circle on bringing in people who have been found out in the world without parents and giving them a place, giving them meaning in the world giving them a chance to figure out how to go about navigating this universe and staying on top. It is this notion of taking care of those that you have found and bringing them into the family that begins our story in the first place, when the Mandalorian meets the child in the first episode. The show very quickly illustrates that taking care of this child and defining the relationship between the Mandalorian and this child is going to be what the show is about. Season two sets up 
more of the same. We find our characters with the same relationship and in the same dynamic that they had before. Continuing the story from season one, season two seems to be taking on the theme of parenting when maybe that wasn't exactly what you thought you would be doing when you started out. (laughs) Certainly, there is something very relatable to all of this as the recent cat dad of two adorable boys who not only are a bit of a handful, but are growing faster than I can possibly imagine, developing new powers, as it were, as they tear apart our house and rip up the couch that we love oh so much. The Mandalorian never signed up for being a father, and certainly it's not necessary for him to take on this role. In fact, his life is kind of defined by doing things that can very much put children in danger. Moving outside the actual story and plot mechanics of the program, it is interesting to see something that is not only exploring this notion of taking care of a child responsibly, but how do we change our own lifestyles to do that? Where do we make the adjustments that enable us to have room in our lives for this new person, this new life, this new part of our world that needs care and attention. I'm merely a cat dad, so I don't actually have the father relationship that anybody my age might usually have when they sit down to watch The Mandalorian. But I can only imagine how powerful this season might be. For example, if you're a stepfather, or maybe just married into a family and you're there to help out. So much of our world right now is made up of families that are arranged in unique and unusual ways, not at all defined by bloodlines or the paths that we went down in order to get into this world. In a lot of ways, this show is trying to set an example for the kinds of people that find themselves in those situations. We might not have intended to be fathers, But when we find that we are, I think more of us could do much, much worse than trying to take our cues from The Mandalorian. And now more selections from Whamma, etc. From The Best of Miles by Miles Nagopling, a.k.a. Flan O'Brien. Sufferers helped. I want now to turn to something rather more important. Some ladies have approached me for advice. They are in trouble with their ballet. They are too fat to leap the requisite six feet and have been sternly warned that they will be expelled from the corps unless they can show better altitude, the latter a technical term that is used by Dublin teachers. Could I help them? Yes, yes, yes. The Miles Patent Ballet Pumps meet and demolish this difficulty. Each shoe is fitted with three diminutive landmines, one in the heel and one in each side of the front foot. If you give a little hop and take care to land on one mine, example, land with the full weight on the ball of the foot or the heel, the mine will go off and you will be sent flying through the air with the greatest of ease. When you land, there is another explosion, 
and away up with you again. If you don't want a second super leap, you simply take care to land on the spent or exploded mine, and there you are. The pumps ensure at least six terrific jumps in the one performance, and refills, of course, can be had very cheaply. The audience may think it strange that a dancing piece should be punctuated by loud detonations, followed by smoke and the acrid stench of dynamite and gunpowder, but they will not mind if they are assured that it is the usual thing in Russia. Your foot, of course, is protected by a steel shield, but I am afraid the stage... <coughs> the plain people of Ireland. That's a fine-looking lump of a girl. What's her address? Myself. I was wondering how long I'd have to wait for that question. Her address is none of your business. But I'm afraid the stage will be full of holes. I have, for disposal, a limited number of cork bungs suitable for stopping up the holes. Price four shillings per dozen while they last. Bungs, pumps, and all the presentation casket with a suitable greeting card, 28 bob, post free. Remind me to come back to this subject. Here you were at old Lebendo's bottle the other night. How was it? Sticky and all that? Pretty average grim, actually. Old Peter Piper was there. Not the intoxicatingly witty painter person. Sorry, one hadn't thought of him as a painter, actually. His work irritates one, you know, so derivative and all that. I do quite definitely agree, but personally I trace his influences more in sorrow than in anger. You do mean more in Surrey than in Ingress, old thing, I suppose. This is just a sample of the very special dialogues that our Whamma League ventriloquist escorts have prepared for the round of Christmas parties. The extra charge is paltry. And do not think that an escort will humiliate you by making you crack smart jokes like the one above after it has already been cracked at several other parties. Each service is exclusive. The same buildup will be retained. You can't have everything different. But the names in the last line will be changed. For instance, if the conversation is on a philosophic topic, the names of Siraz and Engels. If on a literary topic, Thoreau and Beringer and so on, until every reference book and guide to this and that has been ransacked. Mark your envelope, Christmas Escort, and enclose two pounds. And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program, somewhere in between a radio zine. I'm not the same person I once was. Issue 31 contains some changed and much different stories, including hand lotion, The Mandalorian Season 2, and more selections from Whamma, etc. Written by Flan O'Brien and Austin Rich, and read by Austin Rich. If any hand lotion manufacturers would like to sponsor this program, you will find that my fees are incredibly reasonable considering our current pandemic. Make your inquiries today. This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story you'd like to send in, read, or just want to be a part of the program, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com. 
That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you.